Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, head of UK content, Toby Cudworth. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms to our show and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth, and at Graham Bailey, who is with us now. And we have a big story to get into from the start around Mauricio Pochettino. But Graham, how are you doing for starters? I'm good. Um, bit of a head cold, but no, good weekend. Watched Newcastle, um, Liverpool, which was good. Call from Sunday whilst basking in Middlesbrough. Another end yeah, of Middlesbrough. Getting boring now, isn't it, when we talk about Super Michael Carrick's Red Army winning every week. Indeed. And boring talking about West Ham losing every week, Toby. <laughs> yeah, and it was a very boring performance as well for all of those who watched the game. We were toothless, but uh, we'll come on to that. We will indeed, uh, as I say, subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc., and uh, follow all of Ninety Min's channels, Ninety Min underscore Football, on most of the socials, and NightyMin.com for all the latest transfer news from us. The big story, the morning of the recording here, is Mauricio Pochettino and Chelsea. Now, Graham, Chelsea are obviously tenth in the Premier League table. Graham Potter has won one game in 2023. Things are not looking like they're going to get any better. Or maybe maybe some improvements in on-field performance, but no real improvements in results. Are Chelsea on the same page? The, the line was really that I think Graham Potter would be the long-term project manager for this team, but performances are not, well, results are not picking up. Let's just say that. How does Mauricio Pochettino fit into this because uh, if you haven't read our story on nightmin.com, you should. But Graham will give you an explanation here on what's going on. Yeah, so um, I was informed by sources um, close to Chelsea that um, an approach was made to Mauricio Pochettino by intermediaries and contacts, etc. It was put to him. Would he take over from Graham Potter? And um, he said no. He wasn't willing to take over. I think he, he knew Chelsea's a club. He, he respects him. Obviously, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. But the situation it is in now, 
it just didn't suit him. He didn't want to do it. And Chelsea, to to their credit, you know, they're not going to move on from Graham Potter without a plan. Todd Burley still is backing him, but I think the the current situation with the results, Scott, is is really worrying to them. So they're obviously testing the water. If if Pochettino had said yes, you know, it's a simple plug and plug and play option for them, isn't it? I would have been someone with Champions League experience as well could have come in. So it's easy to see why they wanted him. But you know, um, so they they could they would argue they are still back in Potter, but they were just doing the due, due diligence, checking what was out there. You know, he is their best candidate, I would say, out there. There is like some Zidane Enrique, who I imagine we'll hear more about in the summer. But no, um, this wasn't right for Pochettino. And I think we spoke off Pod Scott, didn't we? Where it's not dissimilar to PSG, is it? When it's where they buy players, etc. So you can see why it probably didn't fit fit in with what he wanted to do next. Just to follow up on that, I mean, obviously Potter is under increasing pressure. There's a number of Chelsea fans who are showing dissatisfaction with it. There's complaints about his lack of identity within his team. He's chopping and changing players. The squad is huge, as we talked about on previous podcasts as well. So is it a case here of Potter is going to get the season or how long can this go on? Because Spurs play Chelsea this weekend and uh, Spurs aren't playing very well themselves. I mean, I look at that as a television game and I think, God, that's a, that's an awful watch to come. Uh, but if Chelsea don't turn things around soon, what are we, what are we looking at here? Could we still see a change this season? It, it, it's it's hard to tell, isn't it? It's, we, I didn't think any of us presumed they would lose at home to Southampton. And I think it wasn't a knee-jerk reaction to that Southampton result, but you know, there are people within Chelsea's hierarchy who are letting Todd Burley know this this isn't the man for us. Todd Burley, to his credit, is staying loyal. It was his appointment. It'd be you know, it'd be a big pill for him to swallow to to let him go. So it's a it's a real tough one. Um if it gets if things get worse, no, but I think they want that plan in place. It's similar how we'll get onto West Ham and and David Moyes' situation. You know, it's all very well. Look at Leeds. Leeds are, are they have found a solution now, but they 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 did a knee jerk reaction, but were left, you know, treading water for a couple of weeks, and it's not the way to go. Um, so I think unless there's something better, I think Potter does see it out to the end of the season. Unless we see, you know, do we see an embarrassing result against Dortmund? Can things get worse in the Premier League? It's hard to imagine. I don't think they can, but you know, this season's Premier League doesn't surprise you. If it if it did get worse, then never say never. I've seen some Chelsea fans, Toby, saying, I just want to get to 40 points and move on. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's not uh, going don't, well. Don't mention, don't mention 40 points to, to Toby, Scott. He's, he, <laughs> he, he, he can only dream of that. <laughs> yeah, they're not happy, are they, Chelsea fans? It's understandable. They just don't look cohesive in any way, shape or form. They were pretty toothless against West Ham in that final hour uh, in the one-all draw that they had at the London Stadium. Were awful against Southampton by all accounts. And I know you can't judge everything by body language, but there's a video circulating on social media, the players coming out of the tunnel, just a real lack of oomph, energy, togetherness. Now, I'm not saying they should be raring to go and all shouting and screaming at each other when they come out for the pre-match warm-up, but that doesn't strike you as a camp that looked particularly happy. Kai Havertz, in particular, had a face like thunder when he walked past the camera. Um it's just a wave of negativity, isn't it? And I think Graham Potter, unfortunately, is in an impossible position. 
we've said all along the only way that the pressure lifts off him is to win games he has to win each and every week is what it feels like and they look a million miles away from a team who are even going to finish in the top seven let alone push for anything resembling the top four that's that's a long way away um I still think he may go before the end of the season but it could be another month six weeks feels to me like Todd Burley's trying to save face a little bit any other manager in this situation would probably have gone by now at a club like Chelsea is it because he spent so much that he doesn't want to do it I don't know but well of course it's it's important to consider that Chelsea this season have signed Mark Cucciarella from Brighton right I'm just gonna throw this out there they've signed Pierre Emerick Aubameyang Pierre Emerick Aubameyang and now he can't get in the team they after signing Aubameyang they sacked Thomas Tuchel who he was bought for and then they brought in Paul Wynn Stanley from Brighton as well as Cucciarella and Graham Potter and made a big song and dance about Graham Potter being the project manager for this thing for the next few years they spent 600 million in a season and Chelsea fans have been completely enamored with all this spending being, oh, we're signing under 23 players where we know exactly what we're doing. And yet, if they sack Potter this month, let's say, or like before the end of the season, that's two managers they've got through this new ownership already. And Chelsea fans are being very kind of prevalent with their belief that this is a project that can work. But if you're sacking two managers within a year, is it going to work? <laughs> I, th- I think sacking two managers makes it sound a bit more worse than it is. I think they've, they've got one appointment wrong. Tuchel wasn't theirs. They moved on. And and I think they've got Potter wrong and they're going to at some point accept it and move on. I said it reminds me massively of the Oli Gunnar situation at Man United where the weak link was the manager. And that is very much the case here. It really is. And, and, and they're going to have to accept it at some point. And... I think now the fans have turned, as Toby said, and I think now I think the fans have turned. That's the big thing, you know. The fan, United held on for Ollie for a long time because he had the fans backing, which is fair enough. But now Potter doesn't even have the fans backing. I'm not sure he has the players backing massively the the whole dressing room. So I think it's a matter of when Potter leaves rather than if. Will he? But it wouldn't surprise me. It seems to end the season, but he's this is his team now. He had it in September. Yeah, he had this Chelsea team in September. So for him to finish, if he finish outside the top eight, it's just not acceptable it, for a Chelsea manager. It, it really isn't. Do you have any sympathy for Potter, Toby? I do, in a way. Yeah, I, I think, as I've said before, he's in an impossible position here. Any club that spends the amount of money that Chelsea have spent, you've got to instantly deliver results. And they weren't playing particularly well pre-transfer window. I think even then he was still trying to feel out the players that he had in his squad. Um, some of the signings weren't his, as we've alluded to. Aubameyang is clearly not a player that Graham Potter wants to to build his front line around. He's made mistakes, don't get me wrong. He's chopped and changed formation, perhaps brought in some young players like Lewis Hall, who maybe weren't ready um, for the top level when there are others in the squad potentially better. But yeah, now he's kind of fighting on all fronts, isn't he? His attitude is being questioned. His tactics are being questioned. Everything about him is being questioned. And his press conferences are getting a bit uncomfortable to watch, aren't they? Um, He is a rabbit in the headlights. But his records, this comes back to Chelsea. They shouldn't have given him as long a contract as they did. If they were going to appoint Graham Potter, it should have been a two and a half, three-year deal. It was a huge misstep to commit to him for as long 
As well, they didn't give have. him eight years on the plus side. No, but, you know, what's Todd going to do next for his next appointment? How long is that contract going to be? But just wanting to reel off Graham Potter's Premier League record. So this isn't taking a shot at Graham Potter, but Graham's always said that he was underqualified for this role. His record as a Premier League manager, 137 matches played. He's only won 39 games. It's a pretty shocking record, and his teams have only scored 149 goals. So obviously a lot of that's at Brighton. Potter's teams do not score a prolific amount of goals. That's just over a goal a game. Chelsea have spent X amount of money. They're not going to be settling for 1-0 wins, are they? Even if they were winning games, 1-0, 2-1. Can you repeat that? Yeah, I'm genuinely flabbergasted at that. 137 games as a manager, 39 wins, 50 draws, 48 defeats. So it's a win percentage of less than 33% as a Premier League manager. 37 seems to be the benchmark for all here, doesn't it? 37-ish was... I didn't realise it was that low, but I I think uh, we can't overlook the job Deserby's doing at Brighton with the same team. He's got them looking... so much better than what they did under Potter. That, and I think that's hurt him as well. That's hurt his, hurt his credit as well, Scott. You know, if, if Brighton were in relegation trouble now, everybody, yeah, look what a job he was doing there. No, everyone's looking at Brighton now thinking they're one of the best footballing teams in the league and they have an end product. It, it, and, 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 and they're playing better than Brighton under Graham Potter. And, and I think, yeah, Potter has had a hard time, but... The team, the team he has there, he's just picking the wrong team. I, I saw, I can't remember which game it was, where I saw he started Loftus-Cheek and Hakim Zayic. Two players that were trying to move on deadline day. That was and, that and, was a weird one where I think he started Ziek a day or two after the PSG move fell through. It's, it's just crazy. Which tells me, though, yeah. that there's people aren't on the same page. No, but if Graham Potter thinks Hakim Zayic is one of Chelsea's 11 best players, there's the problem. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about their players because there's there's plenty more to say on this topic, but we'll, we'll bring Mason Mount into this as well because we're on Chelsea. So we've done a story on 90min.com this week, Graham, about Mason Mount. And mm. he's out of contract in 18 months, if I'm right. Yeah. And Liverpool are interested sniffing around. There's no suggestion that a new contract is going to be signed at any point soon. Could this, although I've seen Chelsea fans as well, talking about turning on managers, Mason Mount's homegrown, but I'm also seeing a lot of uh, recognition that he's not playing well and he should be nowhere near the team and people calling for him to be sold. Is this, do you think this ends up in a departure for Mount? Because obviously he's got to get in a team with 35 players plus. I didn't, but in the last few weeks, I'm increasingly coming around to the idea. Um, the, these talks have really stalled again since the end of January. Um, Reese James signed his new deal September October last year, and and the thought Mount was very close to following suit there, to to signing, it didn't quite happen. They said after the World Cup, and he's come back, and talks stagnated again. I I think Mount does want to stay. The club want to keep him. I, I'm not sure Mount there are issues maybe over the length of the contract with whether Mount wants to sign a seven eight year deal, but. There's issues there. Is Mount convinced? Is Mason Mount convinced by the current project? I'm not 100 sure he does. And but yeah, um, but we can confirm Liverpool are very very interested in in taking him. And 
if he isn't signed his new deal, to Chelsea allow him to move on a free transfer in 12 months? I think it's a huge risk. They're very well stocked in midfield. I, I, you, you don't let homegrown product like this go. You know, it, no matter what. Um, we saw it with United. Not not similar, but you know, when Welbeck left, yeah, it's not. It's not the it's not the key player in your team, but it's it's a player who's come through the ranks, and we love these players. and And if he's if he's good enough to play for another team, um, you can get. And I think Mount is a is a better version of that. Don't get me wrong, because he's one of England's starting yeah. players. Um, I think it'd be a huge mistake by Chelsea, but clearly, if they can't get him to sign, um, he might have to go. And Liverpool like him a lot, and we expect Liverpool to bring in at least three new midfielders this summer. And and we already know who they like. Jude Bellingham, obviously long term target. They're still battling away with Real Madrid, City, and Dortmund to get him. Uh, Matthias Nunes, a player they like. But I think Mount is um, he'd be a very nice fit at, at Liverpool. You know they're, they're going to lose Cater, they're going to lose Oxlade Chamberlain on freeze. James Milner, if he signs, he's not really going to play too often, is he? Um, and so there's room at Liverpool for these midfielders. I think Mount under. Under Klopp, the way you play, I think it'd be a nice fit. I do. Yeah, I, I, think, agree with that. I think it'd be really good. It, isn't it amazing the disconnect between what professional players and managers have to say about Mason Mount compared to what supporters mm. are seeing and saying about him? Mount's been tipped as a future Chelsea captain by John Terry, a couple of other former Chelsea players, and okay, they may have an affinity towards an English player or whatever, and the fact that it's their club, but. Chelsea fans have really turned on Mount. He is the first player to be thrown under the bus if Chelsea aren't performing well in any given game. Um, but at the same time, to, why would they want to see the back of him? I, I don't get it. What do they see at their club right now that they think is better than Mason Mount? Mason Mount is what, 24? He's got his best years ahead of him. And I know you can't compare eras and you shouldn't ever compare players who've gone on to achieve greatness, but I did see a tweet um, from Liam Toomey at The Athletic. Mason Mount has scored more goals and provided more assists than Frank Lampard had at this stage of his Chelsea career. Really? Wow. They were playing They were playing in very different teams with varying levels of success. Lampard had just started to play and under Mount's playing at, Mount's, he hasn't got. He's a jack of all trades, isn't he? Under Tuchel was playing him out wide on the right all the time. And we don't. We still don't even know where his best position is, really. Absolutely. Lampard's first few years at Chelsea were largely uninspiring after he joined from West Ham. He did okay, but then when Mourinho was his manager, they had a system. He really flourished and became one of the best midfielders this country's ever produced. People feel like Mason Mount has got that ability in his game. Frank Lampard himself saw it very early on at Derby and at Chelsea. It just seems he's got so much more to give to that football club and it would be mm. crazy for Chelsea to kind of skirt around tying down one of their homegrown players to a new deal and continue with this chaos that's kind of going on around him. They had the chance, didn't they? Chelsea had the chance to have a midfield next season of a of a Rice, Mount Gallagher, homegrown midfield. Um, I think, that, and hey, that still might happen. But it, it, just as the, um, Scott's favourite subject, Chelsea splashing the cash, they've gone to town, haven't they? But Mount and Fernandes, surely... Potter must see that as a, as the future, and if not, it's a, it's a strange one. And um... brings us back actually. Just a question before oh. we before we move on. Uh, I know Pot uh, Pochettino has been approached. Is Pochettino the right 
fit for this. I know he's. Uh, we've reported that he's said no to it. It's not to say that mm. it isn't revisited in the future. I, I think for the for the players for that for the players just purely the players quite probably yeah. I think they'd love to work with him. I think it's a team that suit him. But nothing else around the club, you know. He he wouldn't be. He would be coming in Chelsea very much as a head coach, wouldn't he? He wouldn't be in charge of transfers. They've got they've literally got a transfer committee there. He may be a member of that committee, but he'd only be a member. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be the chairman of it. And and so and he's just he's he's had that experience at PSG, and it wasn't a happy one. And I just think with that Tottenham job looming on the horizon, that's that's the must drive past that stadium thinking I built that. That's come from me, and. Uh, he, I don't. It's only my speculation on my behalf. I, he he must see himself back at that stage and ready to turn it into a Premier League. He'll think a Premier League title winning team. I think that's what he sees. And if Chelsea, I think if if it was more of a more of an English system rather than where he could have a say in in the transfers and off field stuff. But he he knows if he did go into Chelsea, he's purely the head coach. And I don't think that's what he wants. I guess the only thing that's different from PSG and Chelsea's situation, PSG's squad full of big characters and egos, Messi, Mbappe, Neymar. There's nobody really of that ilk in this Chelsea squad. Nobody who should have an ego that kind of dictates how things go. So from an on-field standpoint, Pochettino actually probably would be a good fit for a number of these players. But as you say, gee, it's the off the field transfer business and the fact that he may not have as much of a say as he did at Spurs, which is probably the downfall of this particular move. Yes, let's move on uh, to another club looking for a new manager. Leeds and Javi Gracia is happening, Graham. Done. Yeah, he's arrived at Ellen Road. Um, we Leeds have been the epitome of how not to appoint a new manager, hasn't it? It's been, it's been absolute shambles. The their first choice, they got rid of Jesse Marsh before the two Manchester United games, which was very strange. I thought he was going to get the two United games. He didn't. Um, they went for Carlos Corbran, who who said no. Well, and it's a no, my understanding is that he didn't want to be, they offered him an interview, which he didn't want to do. Why interview someone who was being at your club for years already? Um, that didn't happen. Ariola. Um, they wouldn't pay his release clause in full, so he backed away and his slot, the final coach, didn't have... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Happen. 
it's all in the space of a few days as well, isn't it? Before um, the first United game. Um, and then just after that, offered Schroeder the offered terms to, but Andre Rodrizani pulled the plug on that after the backlash from fans on social media. They then said Michael Scabala, the interim, might get a chance to take it through the season. He hasn't been up to the job. Well, the players haven't really delivered for him. And so after that defeat to Everton at the weekend, it wasn't just a defeat to Everton. I think it was because of results going against him and end up second from bottom of the league. I think that was just the, you know, another another shock to the system for Radrizani, Victor Arthur, et cetera, and said, look, we need to bring someone in. Um, but looked around, Nuno was still there, Rafa Benitez expressed an interest and was there. But I think Rafa, the, the issue with Rafa is, you know, he's not going to go in a short-term deal um, and he wants big money. So Javi Grazia, I think they've actually landed on the feet a little bit, guys. Um, I don't know about you guys. I, I really wasn't that well-versed on, on his history at Watford. I sort of breezed over it. But he kept Watford up twice and made the FA Cup final. I was going to say, it was only really that horrendous start to the next season, which he got sacked, which any, any manager can get sacked at Watford. He, he wouldn't have been sacked by most clubs. He kept them up twice. He took over, kept them up, kept them up the following season and got into an FA Cup final. His CV is actually very, very good. He didn't actually just keep them up in that second season, did he? I think, did they finish top 10 or just outside the top? It was a decent season. It started really well, said, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, he would I, totally forgot they been... got, I totally forgot the FA Cup final. I totally forgot he got them there. <laughs> Well, it's probably because they got stuffed in the final, but mm. arguably he's been one of their better managers in a decade of craziness at Vicarage Road. Um, it looks like he could be a good appointment for Leeds. They need somebody who can get them firing up front. I think mm. the most disappointing thing about Saturday's defeat at Everton, Leeds didn't have a shot on target mm. against an Everton team who, okay, new manager bounce. Sean Dyche has obviously got them a lot more organised, but you can't go to Goodison Park and not have a single shot on target. I think that was probably the end of that interim reign idea. So Leeds are 19th in the league. So we've got Southampton bottom 18, Leeds 19th with 19, West Ham 18th with 20, Bournemouth and Everton 17th and 16th with 21, Wolves with 23, Leicester with 24, Forest with 25, Palace in 12th with 26, and Aston Villa in 11th with 28. I can't call it really. I mean, do you think... Javi Grassi has got it in him to keep Leeds up. I, I do, yeah. I think um what well, I think that Samson win at the weekend was good for Premier League for his neutrals. It really closed things up, didn't it? I think it's I think it's the bottom five plus Crystal Palace for me. I think they Wolves Leicester, I just think are too good. Forest are battling away. I think they're doing great. I fear for Palace. I really their lack of goals is is horrendous. Um I think they could be the ones to be dragged into this. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I actually don't. Even, I don't even. I wouldn't feel that confident about putting Southampton in the bottom three anymore, Scott. You know, I think they, I think they, they played really well at the weekend, really well, and they made some good signings. Honestly, I, I don't think you could, you couldn't put your mortgage on Southampton going down now. The three points off Everton in sixteen. If you can keep your defense relatively solid, and you have James Ward Prowse to. Well, that, that that it shows Nathan Jones sacking was was vindicated by that that short version he did against Wolves, wasn't it? Why, as if as if he did a short version free kick and let rather than letting him have a go. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. I know. I know. I, I my rather tongue in cheek predicted West Ham to go down last week, but that that Forest game is huge this weekend, isn't it? TC. Well, every every game now, isn't it? But well, it's such a long way to go. But let's move there now. Irons yeah. in the fire. Toby, uh, your time to update us on what's happening at West Ham. 
David Moyes, is he on the brink? Yeah, I think it's fair to say he is. He still has support from people at the club. David Sullivan looks at this and thinks, who could do a better job than David Moyes right now? There's not many candidates out there who aren't your typical firefighters like a Big Sam, Harry Redknapp, Tony Pulis, etc., who might accept the job on a short-term basis. But is that really where West Ham want to go? No. Uh, Rafa Benitez, as Graham's mentioned, was linked with Leeds. He's also been mentioned in regards to the West Ham job, but Rafa doesn't want to go into a club short term. And I don't think he's the right man to lead West Ham forward if they did stay up. Benitez on a long-term contract doesn't work. He wants big money. So Moyes is kind of in this, I wouldn't say comfort zone right now, but there's nobody in Sullivan's mind who's better to come in and try and get West Ham out of this than David Moyes. And ironically... Do you agree with that, TC? Do you, do you agree with Sullivan's I do to I do to a, to a degree, but I think it's the manner of West Ham's performances at the moment. You know when you watch your team and you just don't see any fight any spirit in the players and they look a bit defeated and not believing what they're doing. Sunday's game against Spurs, West Ham were in it for the first 45 minutes. It wasn't a bad half, but they didn't look threatening. Didn't look like they were going to score a goal, but didn't look like they were going to concede one. But Mm. in the second half, there was no kind of determination to push on from there. And Spurs obviously scored that goal relatively early in the second half and West Ham didn't look like getting back into it at any point. And it's got feelings of the 2002-2003 season. I've experienced this before where you look at the squad and you think, ah, they must be too good to go down. Mm. No team is ever too good to go down. And I think the belief is draining. Certainly out of the supporters, Declan Rice gave a very, very flat interview after the game, which appeared to kind of question the tactics. Um, He's the least flat interview I think I might have ever mm. seen as well. Yeah. So do you think I'm, could do I'm not really sure whether to stick up from a personal point of view. I am of the mind of sticking as well because I'm trying to work out who I would want to see come in. I don't think I would want to see Rafa. Rafa's he's just a Spanish version of David Moyes, isn't he? Really, football-wise, you're not going to see a difference. Do you think... I was thinking back to... Uh, not Middlesbrough when we got relegated and uh, when we cheated our way down. But back in 2000, if you in December 2000, Middlesbrough were very similar. Where we were struggling. We had a good team, but we were struggling. And Steve Gibson brought Terry Venables in to assist Robson. A different pair of eyes, different way of thinking, and we changed our system a little bit. Sullivan should look at something like that, someone to help Moyes, maybe. That might be something like an angle. You know what? It's funny. We actually made a change to our backroom staff. Stuart Pierce left at the end of last season, and mm. Mark Warburton came in with a view to making West Ham more attacking, so to speak. Well, that's mm. the that's the kind of belief that came with it because Warburton's teams have always been pretty front foot orientated. Mm. If anything, West Ham have gone into their shell a little bit more this season. They're very, very defensive, very negative. Someone, it's someone bigger though, isn't it? Like when Venables next to Robson, you knew he was going to have an equal say. Mark Warburton, David Moyes. I, I, I don't, you can't see Mark Warburton getting much of a word in Edgeways, really, can you? Well, there was, they kept cutting to the pair of them discussing right. tactics on the sideline on Sunday. So I think Warburton's right. very much in the conversation about West Ham, what West Ham are trying to do. How was Flynn Not, Downs at the weekend? He was all right, but that, that's the thing, just all right. That's how everybody is playing right now. There's not a single player, not even Rice, dragging this team up and saying, mm-hmm. come on, we need to do better. 
Rice has been the best player for West Ham again this season, but his level has dropped as well. But unfortunately, he's a victim of circumstance and what's going on around him. And I'm looking at that table, extremely concerned because Southampton showed a bit of something at the weekend. Everton have showed something in two consecutive home games. You watch West Ham at the moment, they're not really showing anything. And if they do lose to Forest on Saturday, could be big trouble. Really, really good. West Ham have Forest. Obviously, you're in a, a pretty good moment at, at present. Manchester United away in the FA Cup midweek on the 1st of March. Brighton away. Never beaten Brighton in the at, Premier League. Aston Villa at home, Man City away. And then another big one against Southampton. Fulham, Arsenal, Bournemouth. If, if you're not picking up your level, a lot of those games are really tough. Yeah. There's lots of winnable games in there, but that's the key thing now. I don't think any of those kind of Forest Villa fixtures can go by without West Ham winning those games. They can't afford to keep dropping points um, because what we got this weekend, Leeds versus Southampton, somebody's going to pick up points. And if it's three three points one way or another. If Leeds get the bump as well, and um, as well, that's a danger, isn't it, as well, TC? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, Keeping on West Ham, Declan Rice has already been mentioned. Manchester City have interest in Declan Rice. Obviously, we have known for a while Declan Rice has been wanted by Chelsea, but that was maybe in the old regime. Maybe there's still some interest there. Liverpool have been linked with him. Arsenal have been linked with him. Manchester United have been linked with him. Uh, Man City, do you, do you make Man City the most likely destination at present for him, Graham? I, I think it's similar to Bellingham. I don't think Rice has made that decision yet. Um, we know Arsenal like him. Whether Arsenal can come up with the the fee and the wage package, I'm I'm still a bit sceptical on that, if I'm being honest. City, we could see a, a similar situation to Liverpool, a bit of a midfield overhaul here. We know Gundogan is considering his options, but he could very well leave on a free transfer in the summer. Bernardo Silva, we know he's like I said, how long he wanted to leave this summer. One of the many players that they're both linked to Barcelona, one of the many midfielders Barcelona linked to, but I could see Silva actually getting that Barca move because he's wanted it. And then there's Calvin Phillips, who, from our understanding, Pep's getting a bit frustrated there. He he could be um, he could be jettisoned as well. He's never really got fully fit. You know, he hasn't looked at it anyway from the summer. So, And he could be key, you know. Um, there's a player who West Ham like. We know the, the bid for him, was it a year ago? Toby, wasn't it, last window? It was um, in the January. It was in that January when they went for Rafinha, yeah, Darwin well. Nunes. Yeah. So... If you could offer West Ham Calvin Phillips as well, or like not not the serious swap, but to go the other way, that would tick a lot of boxes for West Ham as well, I think. And um, and I could see, yeah, right. I think Rice would be a very nice fit. I think they see him more. And people say, oh well, they got Rodri to sit. Um, from what I'm being told, I think West Ham, um, Man City, and and um, Pep don't really see Rice as a as a as a complete sitter, maybe like a Gundogan, somebody who can push on. And TC, mm. you've always lauded his ability to get up the pitch. Yeah. So, yeah, um, West, we know City have liked him for a long time, Scott. We know we've reported that for a couple of years. And yeah, they've re- not rekindled, but yeah, it's back back on, it's heating up again for City. And yeah, as they look to do a, a bit of a midfield overhaul, Bryce is very much in their thinking. What what a funny turn of events that would be if Calvin Phillips uses a makequake to go to uh, West Ham as Declan Rice goes to Man City with cash involved as well, when they were both a part of the England midfield that got to the Euro 2020 final. It could be the new one, though. The Rice and Bellingham midfield could be the one at City. 
I think Rice Rice would be a really, really good fit at City. If those exits do come to fruition that Graham's just mentioned, I think Rice slots in really, really well. And no player kind of brings the ball out of defence like Declan Rice. He advances with it 10, 15 yards. Most players play their way out of trouble with a sideways pass or a diagonal long ball. It's not really that's Rice's a Rodri, style. Isn't it? He's very different to Rodri in that regard, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, keeping on the topic of Man City, who, by the way, still have Premier League charges hanging over them for, uh, you know, that that could throw a spanner in the works. You said that with such well. hope in the voice, Scott, there. You said, we'll don't see. forget, don't forget. <laughs> don't forget. I'm just saying the new cycle's moved on a little bit, but that's still there. Uh, Federico DiMarco, interesting Man City as well, Graham. Yeah, he's a um, left back, left wing back at City. He can play in midfield as well. Not dissimilar to uh, Zinchenko. Who I'm still amazed to let him go, really. But um, you know, City, as we know, they don't keep players who don't want to be there. Um, especially with sitting now playing that left back in midfield role with Bernardo Silva's been. Do you know that um, they've always into... done that? No matter which left back they, or no matter which player they buy, I mean, it was always Fabian Delph, wasn't it? A few yeah, years. they're put in there. But yeah, this Demarco, he's um, he's at Inter, and we know Inter. We've been through this, haven't we? That Inter need to raise some money. Sun seeing the the company own them looking to to move on. And DeMarco is a player who City Scouts have been very impressed by. Um, he's one of the standout fullbacks in Serie A. You know, City, the Joe Cancelo isn't coming back, even if it's not to buy. And so he's not coming back to City just after that fallout. And so, yeah, we'll keep, keep an eye on this guy, DeMarco, Italian national, very, very highly regarded. Uh, and City do want a left back. They really do. So um, he is on their radar. Let's move on to another player on another team's radar, Tammy Abraham and Aston Villa. Where have I seen this before? Uh, come back to you, Graham, because yeah. it is. Is this one? Is it? Is this one gone under the radar a little bit? Yeah, um, but I think under the radar is Tammy Abraham. We see we see him linked to United. He's on he's on United's list, but he's not near the top. Abraham hasn't quite kicked on this season at Roma. He's been okay. He was great last season. You know, he, he didn't quite start this season, didn't get in World Cup contention. But Villa, we forget that Villa's a place where he's loved massively. He helped them get into the Premier League. Um, championship scored over 20 goals. Uh, but then it was a time when Frank Lampard took over Chelsea, so he took him back. Didn't quite work out. But I think this is this is the player who, who Villa need. I think he ticks all the boxes. I, I this one, I know you you obviously Harry you think Harry Kane to United is the transfer makes all the sense in the world, Scott. I think this one does. It won't be cheap. Let me, like, you know, they paid a lot of money for him. Chelsea got a recall they won't use, but this will be up to fifty million here. But I think it's a it's a fantastic fit. Um I really do. They're not alone, others do like him, but um as I said he's very highly thought of there. And under Unai Emery, I think um this could be a very good deal. Toby, does he not make sense in going back to Chelsea? <laughs> Yeah, he does. I think Chelsea are wishing that the the buyback clause is like sixty five million or so. It's double what he went yeah. to Roma for. I, I yeah. bet they're wishing it was lower so that they could at least but, consider but it. I think what what everyone forgets with buyback guys, and you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, there's a buyback." If if that player doesn't want to go, then the buyback isn't worth the paper it's written on. And I think in this case, I don't think I don't think Tammy could be persuaded to go back. I really don't. Well, his treatment in that second season wasn't great, was it? He was scapegoated in a way for Chelsea's failings. Um, I reckon he'd be a good fit at Villa as well, but I do hope that if that move did happen, that it wouldn't undermine Ollie Watkins's position because I think he's shown 
over the last four or five weeks what he's capable of. And he's been a player who's frittered between playing on the wing, playing up front, playing in a... T- just let him play one he's role. Not, he's not and good I think enough to play could... centrally, though, is he? He's not good. We saw, I think we saw that when last season, I was at this Villa City game when City won the title. And Villa Villa created so many chances. It's Steven Gerrard. You can see Watkins wasted so many chances. I think Watkins and Ings had enough chances under Steven Gerrard to, to stake that claim. I think they've done. But I, I like him where he used to play a wider with Brentford, didn't he? In the BMW. Yeah, I, well, I, I I like I like him coming in from a flank. I think I think he's um he's very good there. I'm I'm a fan of his. I think he stretches the game really well. Was intelligent with his movement in that first goal that he scored against Arsenal at the weekend. Okay, Saliba should have got a lot closer to him and not allowed that shot to be taken. But I think he he offers a lot up front. And yeah, he, he made some errors in that final game against City. But I wouldn't discount him. That's for sure. He cost Villa what over thirty million. <laughs> yeah, I think um. They set the market. It was a championship signing as well. So he, that that signing is one that all, all the chief executives in championship refer to. Uh, Brentford got thirty million for Ollie Watkins. That's why we're <laughs> charging it for this one. This lad. We were going to do some Man United and Liverpool tra- uh, takeover chat, but I think, um, unfortunately, I'm out of time, so I might have to. There'll be plenty of time for that. Cut it there, but there's, that's that's going to be a developing yeah, story. Isn't yeah, yeah. It? Maybe we'll come back to it uh, in a future episode. Uh, I do have to shoot off, but. Hopefully, everyone has enjoyed this episode of Talking Transfers. Uh, plenty of meat on the bone there. I would imagine this Mauricio Pochettino thing will kind of run and run for a little while yet, especially as Chelsea, I don't think they play all week, do they, until Sunday now? So I think they've got uh, a full week of uh, preparation for the Tottenham game. Graham Potter has to appear before the press again, and he's getting criticised even for that uh, in the lead-up for that game too. But uh, we'll be back uh regularly at the moment uh, we're talking transfers we're, go- we're weekly at this for now but i think maybe we'll go but bi- uh not bi-weekly twice a week at some point soon as well as the transfer window gets closer and starts to heat up but as for today uh toby cudworth and graham bailey from 90 min.com i've been good looking good looking them good looking the final on saturday on Sunday. i've just had confirmation that i'll be going so uh Excellent. that is that's very good news good uh, luck to the united good luck to the united did, did you see all newcastle fans getting really angry at sky because on the on the advert it has man united versus newcastle I newcastle, they have dropped the united which is very Should, let's, let's just do this before we go nick pope should his suspension <laughs> no <laughs> This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It was one of the most blatant red cards I've seen this season. It's one of the few red cards this season that I haven't even thought about. He literally... He, uh, he grabbed he the ball. He caught it. But everyone's forget if he hadn't done that, Salah was about to score. I know. It, 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 it's, um, no, but I th- and, and the accumulation of yellow cards is a Premier League rule. I, t- I was trying to explain this to, to my wife. Um, that's a Premier League rule. and It's not a rule in general football. You can get... Some leagues you can get fifty other cards and not be suspended, so that's his Premier League rule. So it doesn't impact on on the League Cup. But no, I think it's um, it's a fascinating. And I think actually, I think Newcastle are hugely fortunate. Not actually not hugely fortunate. I think it was a fantastic foresight of them to sign Loris Carriers. They could have been stuck with a seventeen-year-old who'd not played a minute's football here. Instead, they're stuck with a guy who's played Champions League football, Premier League football. Was his stats thirteen clean sheets in twenty-something Premier League games? I think the the hugely not fortunate because it was good foresight. I think it's terrific work by Newcastle to have a, an outstanding third choice keeper. It would be just like Man United to come up against the keeper who hasn't played for two years or whatever. I was just, just going to say. I remember Lee Grant at Old Trafford once when he played for Stoke. Oh my god, 
but yes, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, anything to add there, Toby, before we go? No, I just think selective outrage is quite funny whenever situations like this come up. It's it, it, look, it's happened. Those were the rules at the start of the season. You can't bend them. It's been the rule suit. ever since I started watching football 30-odd uh, yeah. years ago. It wasn't even controversial. Well, to be fair, well, even the fans weren't mourning about it. But um, no, Bruno, I'm looking forward to seeing Bruno versus Casemiro, Scott. I think two of the two of the most important players for their respective teams in the league. Should be fun. League Cup final this weekend at Wembley. Uh, we'll be back with another Talking Transfers next week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth, and at Graham Bailey. For all the latest, 90 min underscore football on the social channels, give them a follow as well for all of the latest. And uh, 90min.com for any more transfer news that comes out over the next few days. We'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Transfers, everyone. We'll be back soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.